Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko, another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is March the 18th, 2020, and this is episode 2,620 of the Survival Podcast. And the last two shows have been about COVID, coronavirus, call it what you will, COVID, SARS-2. And today we're going to talk about that in the intro, but the main thing that we're going to talk about today is hydroponics. Um, James White, who has been an incredible help to me as I have ramped up hydroponic production here with just amazing advice, uh, agreed to come on the air over a month and a half, almost two months ago. We've been waiting to get him on because of how long we stay booked up with guests. And uh, it just kind of hit right in the middle of this. But I'll tell you what, even that really does have a lot to do with the, the, the COVID pandemic that we're dealing with right now. Today's entire episode, I want you to think about it this way. It's about solutions. I've been kind of racking my brain about what I, what I can do to help you guys. Uh, again, for 12 years, I have taught eat what you store, store what you eat, have enough self-sufficiency to go 30 to 60 days minimum um, in your home. And in, in, on top of that, I've tried to bring as much diversity to this show as I can, from everything from building businesses and lifestyle design uh, to homesteading, producing your own food, permaculture, because without the balance, all it is is just stuff. And I was walking around my property today and thinking about how blessed we are here during a time like this, how much everything we've done, especially in the last year, makes sense, beyond just the general prepping. And so I'm going to try to share more and more things that you can do right now rather than just what you should have done to be prepared because that's really been hampering me. Like, how can I go out and tell you to copy can right now? Like, right now the best thing to do is if you if you go out, you know, and you think you can get out once a week, buy, buy a week and a half to two weeks worth of stuff. I mean, that, that's the best advice I can give the average person who's totally unprepared right now. The, the average person that's prepared right now, if you can get out once a week and get a week's worth of stuff, you don't even go into your stores. And, and, and that's kind of where we've been at this point. We're shoring some things up. Like I said, I ordered extra food for my birds. So, you know, two months worth of bird food, and, and that's two months of that I don't have to worry about. I uh, did the same thing for the dogs. You know, we always have some reserve, but going beyond the typical. And just wait it out. And that's all you can do. And, and if it's a job or something... All you can do is wait to see what happens. And, you know, hopefully you have some savings because I've always said 30 to 60 days worth of bill paying ability. It looks like some relief from the government's coming. And we can say that it's socialism or we don't want it or it's a mistake or whatever. But like John and I said yesterday, that stuff's going to happen. So I just want to kind of do this as a almost a two-parter. I'm going to do our normal intro here in just a second with our sponsors of the day and stuff. But then I'm going to talk about a couple things that you can do for yourself. We're basically going to bring the T-SPAS segment forward, even though it's not the item of the day. And I want to tell you about a few other things that are going on. Before I do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Backwoods Home Magazine. I've been reading Backwoods Home since 1993. They are the Journal of Self-Sufficiency, Self-Reliance, Independence, and Liberty. And I modeled a lot of this show on them, a lot of what I've taught you. I've learned, or at least started my learning with Backwoods Home over the years. I mean, if you just think about this again, 1993, I became a subscriber, and it is 2020. Um, 
I guess that's 27 years that I've been a subscriber to the same publication, except for the year that they, they went away for a while. Uh, that's as good of an endorsement as I can give anybody. Next up today, we're going right into our solutions because ButcherBox. So I've been actually asked by ButcherBox to not overly promote them as an influencer, and not me personally, like all of their affiliates and what have you. And I'm not an affiliate, but I'm on their affiliate newsletter. Um, I'll keep doing their weekly segments, and I'll just say that they are not going to right now prioritize a new customer over an existing customer, and that's good. That's what you expect from a company. Take care of your existing customers first. I will say part of the solutions, though, I went and upped my monthly butcher box a lot yesterday. So it's coming soon. You can always make changes up to the last minute or what have you, damn near anyway. I went and just added a bunch of stuff to it. I'm just saying. And that would be one way to, to mitigate your impact on the rest of the systems, like I could run out. I'm off. I'm home from, you know, I'm home and what have you. I could run to the grocery store and, and stock up more every single day and keep taking from a system I don't need to take from. Or I can use the other resources that are available to me so I'm not part of the problem and I'm re reducing my exposure to risk. And, and, and that's where I want to come at this from today. Now, I got two more things for you today um, about COVID. One that... Um, I want you to know about and maybe you can help with, but I'm not going to go quite as much on the soapbox with it as I had planned because I heard from somebody in the pharmaceutical industry um, that might be part of why we're not hearing more about this. And I, I have a call set up with them. But I just want to say the, the idea that there is no treatment for coronavirus seems to be preposterous to me. And there is a combination of medications that were used in Australia Australia that had such an effect that the doctor that used them said it is not an, a, a stretch to call it a cure. And it's a combination of coloquine, which is an anti-malarial drug, and an HIV-suppressing combination of drugs known as uh, Lorpenvir and Rotonavar. Okay, I might be saying those wrong. But the malarial drug has worked some by itself. The HIV-suppressing combination has worked by itself, and they have definitely worked together. Again, research described it as a cure, stating it lowered COVID levels to undetectable. Um, these drugs are already approved for use. They're generally considered safe, and doctors can prescribe them for other means. And I do not understand why we're not doing more with them. What I've heard since I've started this petition with White WhiteHouse.gov, and it does not make me call the petition off, is that we are doing some trials and starting to do more trials with these drugs in the U.S. That's good. I think this falls under the can't hurt, might help, let's do it philosophy. However, I've heard from a member of a pharmaceutical company, I can't say anything more than that, that they are right now trying to ramp up production to all of these drugs, that they're not really available right now. And it's because they're older drugs, and they're not really being used. They've all been replaced with newer models. The coloquine is an anti-malarial that um, is kind of reserved for more resistant uh, uh, types of malaria right now. So it's not in high production. And the two HIV drugs have been replaced by ones that work better for that purpose. But these medications being used in South Korea, who I trust, China, who I don't, Japan, who I trust, and Australia, who I trust, um, 
all the doctors, real doctors and real hospitals using real drugs on real COVID patients said that they worked quickly to the point of removing the virus from, from detectable levels in the body. So I have started a petition on whitehouse.gov that needs 100,000 signatures. Right now it's got like 300. Um, and it basically says, empower U.S. doctors to immediately be able to trial a combination of coloquine, lopinar, and rovitinar, rito, whatever, for COVID-19. And then explains the situation as I just explained it to you. I would think that maybe one reason they're not talking more about this is that everybody with a sniffle runs to the hospital and wants a combination of this drug cocktail that they have in limited supply. I still think raising public awareness to the point that this does work, from every indication this does work, puts more pressure on more resources going to make these things available. So I would like you to sign this petition and share it with your friends and family because if it gets 100,000 signatures, the White House must respond to it. And I have never done anything like this in the history of the show. I am anti-political, but they are using our resources right now for a variety of things, some that seem to make sense and some that don't. But if you have a drug that we can get using now, I, I don't give a damn if there's been a trial for it. It's, the trial was the guy was sick, they gave it to him, he got better. That's the trial. And if you want to know if it works, do that more and see if it keeps happening. And that may keep people off of ventilators, and that may prevent a lot of the surge capacity problems they're telling us they need us quarantined for. So I'm not backing off of this. I'm just going to be a little less soapbox with it today because I was reached out to somebody, and just their initial comments lead me to believe they work, and everybody knows it, and they're on it. But how on it, I don't know. And I believe when you get a result in government, you put pressure. I would want every reporter asking every elected official about this right now, along with the status of testing. Those are the two things we can do. Locking everybody down is limited in how long we can do this shit. If we get testing done the right way, where anybody that thinks they have a problem can get tested, we can start sequestering the people who need to be sequestered, not everybody. And we can get through this a lot faster. But this, this we need to be on 100%, in my opinion, and it's something you can do because it takes you five seconds to sign the petition, and then very important, I think a lot of people signed it didn't click the confirmation email because I'm tracking clicks through a tracking link. And there's about 10 times more people that went there than signatures showing right now. So make sure you check your spam, whatever. It doesn't count unless you do that. That's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do, I'll bring my T-SPAS segment to the front today. Um, I recommend a good multivitamin. I don't even care what brand, but when people started asking me for a brand they could order on Amazon, I found the Amazon Basics brand uh, called Amazon Elements Multivitamins. It has a good nutrient profile. It has good testing. It's a good vitamin, and it's available. It's like a week out in shipping, but everything is. So I'm recommending that as an item of the day. I've recommended it before, but I don't care as long as you know it's a good multi with good absorbability so you're not pooping the same pill you took out the same form you took it in, that it actually goes into your body. That's all I care about with a multivitamin. But additionally, um, I up vitamin C and Qcertin, um, and I do that during a time like this. I up those. I normally take two Qcertin a day, which is half of the recommended maximum dose. During a time like this, I take four. That's the recommended maximum dose on WebMD, right? And 
I always take this. I want to be clear. I'm not saying this cures anything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a healthcare practitioner. I'm, I, I don't have any experience, and I, no, I, I can't say, even if I believe that I couldn't say, that anything treats or cures the disease anyway, because I'm not a doctor and I'm not allowed to do that. And unless the product has been blessed by the vaulted FDA, even a doctor can't say it does that. However, the evidence that Q-certain is useful in helping support the body during a COVID outbreak is massive. And what I did is this, the, the item of the day today is kind of a, a doubling up. It's the, yeah, here's a multivitamin, but it has a lot of information about Q-certain I added to it. And a Montreal researcher, I put this out a couple weeks ago and said, you guys should be on this. Um, he did work with the SARS, the original SARS breakout, which is a similar virus, and he got great results in his research from Q-certain. And he says it works for this. He says it works for this. Whatever that means. You can read the story for yourself. I looked up as much information as I could find on this that made, uh, made sense. And one was a result from Consumer Lab. And it has a whole lot of this doesn't work. This doesn't do shit. Don't take this. This is a scam in this same uh, article. And it says Q-certain may be helpful here at blocking the virus's ability to penetrate cells. So what they're saying, from my understanding, you've got to read it yourself, is it isn't that it'll keep you from getting COVID, but it'll prevent it from penetrating cells or may prevent it from penetrating cells. It's cheap, it's safe, and it's available. And I take it anyway. Um, it also taught, one of the articles talks about how it was used when they were looking for stuff to treat Ebola with, and they gave it to mice, and then they injected the mice with Ebola. They exposed them with Ebola on purpose. And the, some of the mice that were given the Q-certain lived through an Ebola infection. Now, you're not a mouse, and this isn't Ebola. I'm just saying, when I read things like that, and it's something that you can get a month's supply for 20 bucks for, and it's a good nutraceutical anyway, during an outbreak of something like covid Every single person not in our medical system, every single person that maybe gets a little sniffles and gets tested and they're you know, otherwise asymptomatic, and all you do is stay home instead of go have to be in a hospital is one less person on that load. And if this takes one person in a hundred out, it's one person in a hundred. And if things go as bad as they say they could, and in some areas I think they will, in most areas I don't think they will, but in some areas they could, that matters. So I want to focus... Going forward, I want to talk to you every day about something you can do. So what I th I'm saying you can do today is you can consider upping your nutritional supplementation and you can learn about Q-certain and then do that if you think it's a good idea. And I'm saying that you can tell your government, hey, listen, dummies, we know this is something that works because the Australians, the Koreans, the Japanese say it works. And that's the only reason I believe the Chinese when they say it works too. And... You guys should be working night and day pumping this shit out and getting into this emergency system that you say is going to be overtaxed. Whatever needs to be done needs to be done. Now, I'll give you more information based on whatever I have a source I have not ever worked with before. How much I'll get from them, I don't know. But this is my rules with a source. I will listen to everything they have to say. I will not tell you anything they say. I can say this, but you can't repeat it. I will not violate that from a source or I don't get keep sources. 
I will say they said I can say this, and I will never identify them ever or give any information that would lead you to be able to figure out who they are, no matter who, even if you're a much more sophisticated type person. You will not, I will not give away any information that I can see revealing a source. Because I, I, there's journalistic integrity there. What I will do, though, if they tell me, I'm telling you this, but you can't repeat it right now, I will let that temper other things that I say by being more informed. And I try to be full disclosure on both sides of a source. A lot of times I speak from information from sources, but I don't say it's a source. I just tell you what I can. There are some people that I have in certain places that I can call up and say, hey, I heard this, is it true? And they say yes or no, or I don't know. And, that's, and then I don't even tell you I did that, unless it's something critical. This is something critical. So I am asking you to sign that petition. There's a link in the show notes today. But I'm not going to go flip my shit jack mode on this yet because there may be some mitigating things. And I will tell you whatever I can about it. But I believe these two things work. So those are the things you can do today. We're going to be talking about more of what you can do. I might be doing some more YouTube videos and stuff like that just to keep everybody motivated during this time. Some of the things that I'm doing right here. Um, but with that in mind, let's talk about something else you could do, growing your own food. And the problem with telling people right now to grow their own food is if you're going to grow your own food right now and you're going to grow something that takes 90 to 120 days to produce, I mean, God help us if we're not through this by then. Now, as you'll hear James and I talk about today, there's, it still makes sense to work on homesteading and stuff right now, especially if you're home and you normally wouldn't be because you're home. You might as well do something with the time. But, yeah, I'm not going to tell somebody to go plant a tomato seed today, even though we're going to talk a little bit about tomatoes, for it to help them during this pandemic. Because in 60 days, you don't have tomatoes, even with hydroponics. But as you'll hear us talk about today at times, there's a lot of things you can grow that in 20 days you're eating. You're eating. And we are going to go through a period of recovery. And that period of recovery is going to take some time. And I'm not talking about patient recovery. I'm talking about national recovery from this shutdown. And many people that are out there listening to me right now might have major financial, logistical disruptions to your life. And if you put these systems in place now, they may be starting to really bear fruit right about the time you're going through that. They're already operational. They're already working. It's already there for you. And now you can go back to putting your life back together and have this resource. So I want you to think about it from that way today, and, and my commitment to you going forward, solutions. That's the word of the day, but it's, it's probably going to be the word of the next 30 days, solutions. That's what it's always been around here, but right now we need to talk about creative solutions because we're in the middle of things. So before I bring James on, let's talk about our quote of the day. Quote of the day is on solutions, and it's from Stephen Covey. Our problems and pain are universal and increasing, and the solutions to the problems are and always are and always will be based upon universal, timeless, self-evident principles to every enduring, uh, prospering society throughout history. In other words, what Covey is saying is, no matter how different you think the solution is, the solutions are always what the solutions have been. We're in the middle of a COVID pandemic. A COVID pandemic, a global pandemic. And everybody thinks, oh my God, what now? The solutions are always what they have been. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Take care of your family. Be smart. Be as gray man as you can during this. Get through it. And whatever part of your life falls apart, put it back together. I know that sounds over 
simplified. And it is not meant to take away 1% of the difficulty that that might be for some people. It's, it's not meant to say that it's easy. All it is meant to do is say that it's doable. And frankly, your grandparents went through things that make what we're doing right now look like a day at Disneyland. They really did. I would say one more thing you can do for yourself before I bring James on. Especially if you're home and you want something to watch. I'll try to find a link to a playlist on it or what have you, or the individual episodes for you. But BBC did something called Wartime Farm about life in the UK during World War II. And the years of sacrifice, not months of sacrifice, that went on there. Rationing, how tough things were at times. And, uh, yeah, that'd be a good thing to watch. And it's, it's something I think you could watch even with most kids. Uh, I, I mean, from a content standpoint, as far as, like, you know, adult language or anything, it's, any, it's G-rated as it gets. But I'm saying I think even most kids, 9, 10 years old, would probably find it interesting, at least parts of it. But it'd be a good thing to review right now. With that, let's talk about growing our own food. But instead of doing it the way they did on the wartime farm, which took a while, doing it quick and fast with hydroponics. And with that, I want to welcome our special guest today. Hey, James, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hi, Jack. Thanks. Glad to be here. Hey, I wish it was not during the middle of a pandemic, but what better time to talk about a real-world solution? And solutions is kind of the theme of today's show, uh, rather than what, what the government's doing wrong, what we can do for ourselves. And, and one of the things that's made me very comfortable with having to uh, take on a little extra feeding of myself right now is the sheer amount of production I can do with hydroponics. And I want to, as we, before we even start, I want to say thank you uh, to you, because your advice, as I was putting all these different systems together, was invaluable. And that was one of the reasons I asked you to come on. I don't ask a lot of people to come on, but I figured if you could help me, maybe you can help some other folks again. So a personal, direct thank you for your help uh, earlier this year, because it is paying dividends right now. Well, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, some of those posts were pretty long, and, and yeah, I got, got uh, thrown, thrown to the, the uh, spam bin, I suppose, because of all the links, but um, happy to share. I think I found them all and dug them out, and they are some of the best comments on the blog in 12 years of running the site. So, again, thanks for that. Um, we are here to talk about hydro and small space growing today. Before we do that, though, tell just people a little bit about your background. Like, you know, I, from from reading your bio, you kind of caught the bug pretty early, and you've you've been around the world literally. Um, yeah, yeah. So, a Navy brat, uh, born overseas, moved around a lot, um, and uh, now I live in Southern California, Orange County, and uh, this is the coldest place I've ever lived. <laughs> the Great White North, as I call it. Um, I, I think water should be. Uh, Salty and and wavy rather than frozen <laughs> on mountains. So I, I I like the warmer weather. Love it down here. In, in in spite of the insanity from Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So you got into this for one reason because you do live in the suburbs and you want to produce a lot of your own food and you kind of have a small space to work with. You can kind of start out with like. Your growing areas, your limitations, your issues, and again, today's word of the day, solutions. Sure. So, um, actually, after having, uh, you know, gone to your, uh, workshop last fall and looking at the sheer scale that you have compared to what I have, 
it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I have a literal postage stamp. Um, so my, my lot is, and I live in HOA hell. <laughs> my, my lot is, uh, about 50 feet wide by 80 or 90 feet deep. Um, and, and my primary growing area for, uh, tomatoes, which, which is sort of my, my favorite thing is, um, is a five foot wide strip down, down the south side of my house. And, um, it's, uh, my, my outer wall is, is, uh, 10 feet from my neighbor's outer wall. And, and, and these are, uh, two story houses. So, um, I, I have very limited, uh, light exposure and, uh, you know, re- really have to work hard to, uh, to try and maximize what, what little space I have. I have a couple other, you know, areas where I can, I can grow things, but, uh, that, that's my primary. So, what, I guess that's probably why you decided to do some non-traditional methods and specifically hydroponics. It, 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 well, that, that, and, um, I, I ran into an issue, uh, geez, now eight, nine years ago where, um, after some, some construction in the backyard, I built a, a nice little, uh, outdoor uh, kitchen type setup, um, not, not too different from yours. And, um, after that construction, what would happen was I, I was growing in, in the dirt there uh, along the side of the house for a number of years and um, uh, ended up having some real problems and, and found out that I have root knot nematode. Um, and what, one, of the, one of the problems with that around here is because it doesn't get cold, it doesn't get cold enough to kill those, those critters. So uh, they're permanent and there, there's really no good way to get rid of them. Um, that isn't, uh, you know, drastic in terms of chemicals and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, initially I switched to container, uh, gardening with, uh, pots and then eventually moved to earth boxes. If you're familiar with those. Yep. Uh, sub, sub irrigated, uh, container, uh, so called self watering container, uh, that isn't self watering at all. No. <laughs> it's, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it, it allows you to water about you know seventy percent as often instead of a hundred percent, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Especially in in uh, peak season when when those tomatoes are really sucking up the water, uh, it's it's only about three four gallons of, of water in the bottom of that thing. So um, I did that for a couple of years, and um, yeah, the, the results weren't as good as being in ground, uh, primarily because the the, the containers really aren't big enough for, for, uh, indeterminate tomatoes. So, uh, I, I decided what the hell I'll, I'll try hydroponics and, um, bought a setup from, uh, the, the urban farm. Um, they're, they're the, they're the folks that make, um, the Texas tomato food, which is the, the nutrient solution that, that I use. Um, and, uh, I've been happy. And in, in fact, uh, the growth was so explosive and so much bigger than it had been in the past that uh, midway through that first season, I had to emergency retrofit a, a, a high uh, tunnel, uh, kind of a, a what, what do you call it? Uh, I, I don't know. Greenhouse? <laughs> I mean. And not, not really a greenhouse, but um, so, so be, between between the, the, the fence and, and my growing area, I, I built these uh, arches about uh, starting at about six feet off the ground and, and uh, on these poles. Uh, j- just to just to hold up the uh, the additional growth. Got gotcha. you. 
Gotcha. So you said your primary crop then are tomatoes. And I, talk a little bit about your setup, too. I know you got it from the Urban Farm. Um, I've tried their nutrient. I like it a lot. Um, but I don't think they sell the setup anymore. But people could pretty much build a similar setup as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a 55-gallon drum, plastic drum, um, and it's a flood and drain system, So uh, or ebb and flow, uh, however you want to uh, talk about it. Um, and it's uh, 10-inch pots that I've uh, just this year swapped out for th- uh, three-and-a-half-gallon buckets because those those uh, pots finally broke down. Um, and I've got 16 pots, 18-inch uh, on center, uh, spread down that the side of the house. And uh, every uh, two hours, um, the, the tank uh, pumps water out into the buckets and and then lets it set there for about I don't know, 10, 20 minutes and then pumps it back out. Um, so it's a, you know, it's not a not a uh, what do you call it? Drain to waste system. It's a it's recirculating. And I um, just top off the uh, the nutrient a uh, couple times a week. And then once a month or so, I, I completely uh, dump it out into the rest of uh, my yard and um, and start over from scratch. Gotcha. Um, and you, again, your your primary crop then is probably tomatoes. Is there other things you grow as well? Yeah. So um, you know, lettuce. Per, pretty much, uh, it, it it kind of aligns with uh, with your your list of things. Um, lettuce. Uh, I like collard greens. I like the big leaves, by the way, as um, as an alternative to tortillas. Okay. Uh, so you know, you, I use them as wraps, kind of wilt them down and use them as wraps. They're they're pretty tough. Yeah. And good size and don't taste too terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's 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 one way to uh, to make uh, you know tacos or or what what have. I can see the advantage of them because they do hold together probably better. Uh, I use shard. For, for that same purpose, the big shard yep. leaves, because um, you don't have to wilt them down and, and they taste good instead of not terrible, but um, right. they do kind of fall apart compared to something like a collard. Right, right. I also use uh, shard. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's good, kind of crispy. You don't have to wilt it. Um, but yeah, it can, it, because it's actually can kind of crack and, uh, you know, stuff falls out. But hey, you know, life's tough, right? <laughs> Yep. So, um, I, I, known, I don't know if may I cut you off there before you got your full uh, list of things you like to grow out. If there's anything else you want to add before we move on, um, trying to think. Uh, I do strawberries. I do peppers. I do, um, yeah, lo- lots of herbs. You know, basil, oregano, um, cilantro. Kind of have have to keep cilantro in quick rotation because it bolts so quick around here, um, and and I have uh, used one one of those little greenhouses like uh, like you've uh, used in your house there uh, for years. It's on the north side of my house, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, it doesn't get direct sun. So I've got uh, uh, grow lights in there. Uh, I re- recently switched to the to the new ones that you've been uh, using and love those. Those are fantastic. Uh, way better than the old uh, King Bows. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the, the 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 new lights are pretty amazing. It, now, what do you, what is your solution for seed starting? You mentioned that little greenhouse. I've talked about that a lot. 
I've been using that mostly for seed starting, except some of the crap didn't grow so fast I end up just calling them baby greens and cutting them. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you, you've got some other solutions for seed starting because what I've seen, and it, it, it's hard for it to make a lot of sense to me, um, honestly, but it works. Like I, I'm playing with the Parks Biodome. I get better germination for some things with that. I don't get how sitting a seed in a hydroponic pellet sitting in water that stays wet can ever have a humidity problem, ever under any circumstances. But, you know, my germination rate on celery seed by adding a humidity dome went from like 1 out of 20 to like 20 out of 20. So yes. what, what have you done for seed starting? So my, my primary seed starting is, is done in the park seed biodomes. Um, I, I have smaller units. I noticed you, you got the, the big 120 cell unit. Yep. Um, I have, I have one smaller unit, uh, on a heating pad, you know, to, for, for seeds that prefer warmer temperatures. I have a, another one for seeds that don't care, uh, much about the, the temperature. And then from, from there, I, uh, move them out to that little greenhouse and, do what, uh, I, I don't know, you might think of it as sort, sort of a reverse crack key. So, so those little sponges, yep. I put them in a 1020 tray and uh, fill that tray about halfway. No humidity dome at that point because um, I don't want uh, problems with uh, too much humidity and damping off. Um, so I, I fill, fill the tray about halfway, just kind of drop the uh, the sponge in there. You know, it stands sort of upright, leans over to the side a little bit. Okay. Um, and, and that's that's well. I'll grow things out for a while before I, I plant them out. In, so in they're just locations. sitting in a sealed, probably deep ten twenty, half full, nutrient solution, kind of sideways a little because they're not going to stand straight up. Right, right. The, the, especially the hundred or, or the sixty uh, cell plugs. Right, you've yeah. seen those. Those are are pretty small yeah. the next size up will stand perfectly upright in there and i i use really? those uh, larger ones for I think those are the 40 cell per block 40 cell i yeah. that's interesting because i'm thinking about actually i bought the 120 which is 260s and they are really small and you can order the individual foam blocks and the 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 sponges i've been thinking about going to 40s in there because i would let one tray do 80 and i think that's plenty and i'm i've been thinking really hard about going that way yeah, and and e either one will work. I, I kind of use the the bigger ones for either bigger seeds or yeah. plants that, that that I expect to kind of hold over in that greenhouse longer, and and grow out a little bit longer. And um, you know, I, I will say this: you, you you are a jerk, Jack, because okay. <laughs> uh, because of what you've done. So so I, I've, I've <clears throat> up until this year, I've only used that greenhouse for growing out to a point that. Uh, is proper for, you know, moving stuff out into the garden. Um, but, you know, at seeing what you've done, I, I'm, I've uh, started on a, a little project to, to grow more permanently in there, uh, you know, take up another one of those shelves and do all greens, right, in, in, in the greenhouse and, and grow them out as, as my primary grow location for, uh, for that. So, um, Got a, got a little, uh, uh, deeper tray. Uh, it's actually some, something I picked up from Home Depot. It's about five inches, four or five inches deep. So it'll hold more water and, uh, picked up a water pump and I'm going to have that do some, some recirculating there, uh, just within the, uh, 
within this uh, uh, slightly deeper deeper tray and um, have the pump move the water around to aerate and, and so on. And um, yeah, yeah, you, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you kind of skipped ahead there on what I had, because that's kind of like the next step after the seeds have sprouted then, right? I mean, is there anything we're missing there before we move forward from there? Um, let's see. So, so I do, I do use, you know, the, the sponges like we talked about for, for growing out the majority of things. Some things though are, are sensitive to root shock, um, like, uh, cucumbers, which I also grow. I guess I forgot to mention that. Um, and those I, I actually repurposed my, my wife had bought a bunch of, uh, four inch by six inch cotton, um, gift bags, you know, for like, uh, party gifts. And, um, those work great as a little grow bag. Um, and I can, I can grow out my cucumbers a little bit longer and then just, I, I take that entire bag and, um, put those in the, uh, in the earth boxes and, uh, they, they have a lot less root, root shock by doing that. Awesome. Awesome. So as you move to growing plants to term, What type of systems do you use for that? Is it all hydro? Do you do a mix? I, I, I do I do a mix. So I, I have a bunch of boxes that, that uh, I really need to uh, to leverage, right, for, for the grow space that I don't have. Um, so um, most of my greens, uh, the cucumbers, uh, some peppers are grown out in those in those earth boxes. I do grow some stuff, you know, in, in the ground. I have. Um, You know, it is Orange County, so citrus works well here. I've got uh, lemon, a uh, couple of limes, an orange, and uh, and a little uh, tangerine. Uh, yeah, tangerine tree. Uh, and recently planted a uh, a uh, peach tree that's uh, just loving it right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the nutrients that you use and why you use them. Yeah, so. Um, I, I started out with the with the Texas tomato food primarily because um, I was I was on a forum uh, Tomatoville and uh, people were raving about it so I thought I'd give it a try it worked well and and it's uh, simple in that it's it's an all in one solution um, and I, I've used mixes like like you're talking about there with with Master Grow where you have to you know um, blend it up yep but uh, for my job okay. I, I uh, Travel quite a bit, and and also like to take vacations. So um, I've got either you know if if the one of the kids is living at home for a period of time, they're older, they tend to come back every once in a while, um, or, or or my neighbors, you know, it's easier for them to top off my my hydroponic solution with you know just a, a single gallon jug and, and an EC meter. And have them top it up for me versus versus try to teach them how to how to blend things. So um, it's just ease of use. It works well. Um, and 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 I will say I, I was interested to hear that you start out your hydroponic journey kind of trying to disprove uh, hydroponics. And yeah. um, I have to say the tomatoes have never tasted better. Uh, when I grew them in the ground or or in uh, you know the uh, earth boxes than they do now. No, they are it's, it's absolutely amazing. yes. And personally, I don't see a huge difference in flavor between the master blend and the Texas tomato food. I do see 
a definite ease of use with the Texas tomato food over the master blend, but um, and there's the back guano. I think it's kind of the one organic, you know, if you want to call it that, uh, shot in the arm to that, and it probably does help the overall health of the system. But mm -hmm. I've been blown away by the flavor. That was one of my first things. And that's why I kind of started in the world of seed starting because I figured I don't care. I'm, I'm starting a seedling. So, to, you know, and when I, when I looked at it, I thought, man, this is really suited to me because the only place I really have to do this without, you know, filing for divorce with all the crap I've gone on already is upstairs in my extra bedroom that my wife never goes near. So she doesn't care what I do. And, right. um, I'm just not going to go up there every day. I, I'm just not, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. I, even if I, if I set a reminder, Hey dummy, go upstairs and check on plants and water them. I am not going to go up there every day. And it, I'm sure you've done this along long enough to know that when you're, when you're growing in flats or anything like that, The plants, even when they're young, go through the water really fast, and you either end up overwatering and ending up damp off and mildew and mold and problems like that, or they dry out. And they, they, they have to dry out, I'm pretty sure, for about 0.3 hundredths of a second, right? So it's like <laughs> three to the, the billionth to be totally dry, and they just go flop, and they're dead. And when they're sitting under lights or on heat mats – it might be 0.3 millionths, right? I mean, it's like fast, and they're dead. And even if you get them to come back, they're never the same. Where, you know, with the little crap he set up or the Parks Biodome or whatever, you can at least say, I have X amount of days. And I guess, you know, if you're not responsible enough to work in that time frame, you probably shouldn't be caring for any living things at all, right? So that made it really easy for me to kind of start into it. But then, like, what I said happened is, like, I go up there and I'm like, it's like day 11 and the arugula is all little tiny plants and all. And I'll let it grow out a little longer and check the levels and maybe add a little bit and go back up on, like, day 21 and, like, it's pushed up against the lights. And it's like, well, I might as well <laughs> eat that. And when I ate it, I was like, this is some of the best tasting arugula I've ever had with the least amount of work in the middle of January in Texas. And that made it where, like, you know, I should just build a larger-scale system. And where I think a lot of the mythology around flavor comes from is, what are you eating that's hydroponic? Because if you're sitting in Florida eating a tomato from California that was grown in a hydroponic greenhouse in California 12 days ago, that really has no bearing on hydroponics. It's no different than any other tomato that made that journey. It's not going to be flavorful. It's not going to taste good. Of course it isn't because it wasn't ever meant to. It was designed to ship in a box not to taste good. Com completely agree. And, and I, I do think, um, you know, the hydroponic stuff that's in stores is um, underfed from a nutrient standpoint. Mm -hmm. I, I think the producers mm -hmm. just skimp on it um, because the, the flavor's horrible. <laughs> And... Um, You know, the, the, the stuff I grow in my system is is fantastic, like like you said. Um, more flavor than than I've, I've ever seen from uh, in any other system. You know, as I've been researching more and more, especially on, like, the indoor vertical farms and stuff, um, I think one of the reasons they may be fiddling with the nutrient load is to encourage more vegetative versus root growth, which I found – Interesting because my root growth, and I'm, I'm sure like yours, is, is stupid. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I've never seen roots on any. Now the fact that it's available to be seen is you know part of this, but the root growth is ridiculous. And what I've learned is a lot of commercial producers see that as waste, right? They see the root growth as waste because if I'm if I grew in this one bed. Uh, 200 pounds of lettuce, but 100 pounds of it was root mass. Well, I paid from a producer standpoint to produce that 100 pound of roots, which is not a yield for me. So they actually want small root systems relative to the size of the plant. Where I don't know about you, but like I said, to me, I end up with like root systems like I've never seen before. I, I completely agree. The, the, the roots are uh, just explosive <laughs> and um and yeah it uh it i, I think especially it, I tomatoes think it tomatoes are dumb i mean it doesn't you like what the hell is this you know right it makes no sense if, if you've uh, I, I think i i added some links to to this guy who's who's uh done cracky in uh trash cans basically mm -hmm. right you know 30 to 50 gallon trash cans and when he pulls the lid off and uh, shows you the roots, the entire trash can is full of roots. Yeah. It's amazing. I've seen that. Yeah, I saw that when you posted that. It's like, holy crap. And the other thing I've noticed, too, is like there's all this about sterility and everything, and it's bogus. It's there's it's not like this stuff is a poison. I, I will acknowledge that there's some environmental concerns over, you know, the, the big term is mined minerals, I also try to point out your table salt is a mind mineral. I mean, just to put things in. It is. Where do you think they get it from? You know, the, the salt tree? You know, I mean, anyway. Um, so I have found things like, and I still can't really explain this. In one of my little cracky systems I threw out in my greenhouse in little four, you know, four or five gallon Rubbermaid tubs, I found, I don't know if you saw it, I put a video up, I found worms. Mm -hmm. living in the suspended root. So once the water level dropped and you got that big root mass, I had red wigglers. I don't even know how they got in there. I don't know if maybe there could be some residual eggs in the uh, the rapid rooter plugs I'm using. I don't know if they came from you know dirt off my hands. I, but all I know is they were alive in there. And then I haven't uploaded this yet, but yesterday I did some modifications to my indoor farm. And I actually took away the microgreens from the top because we just don't eat enough microgreens. And I started playing with ways to do my seed starting now all outside and turn that upper shallow flood and drain tray, for those who have seen it, into like the seed starting level. And then your other two levels are grow out levels. Well, I took some of the plants from my updoor, uh, upstairs thing to clear them out because I'm still using that for now I'm doing peppers and tomatoes. And brought them down. And the ones that had roots down enough, I've dropped into the grow space. So I had a couple that were like, you know, they just didn't have roots yet. They they're not, they can't reach the air gap that I have in that, that system. So I put them up in the top system. Since it ebbs and flows, it'll get wet. The first time it turned on after I did that, this is a plant from indoors. And I've got a video of this, a little clump of uh, red sorrel. A huge, hairy, jumping spider came up out of that pot. So he rode downstairs when I carried him downstairs, went all the way out there, stayed in there, and until his little zone got flooded, he was living in my house, inside my hydroponic system, and now he's hanging out with another spider out in the garage, and they're all living in that system. So I have 
predators. Have you had anything like that happen in your systems? I haven't had predators, um, but yeah, the, the worms show up. <laughs> they just do. Um, and and um, because of the grow media I, I use, uh, it, it's a lot like hydroton. It's something that's been discontinued. It's called grow rocks. It's, it's actually uh, expanded recycled glass. Okay. <clears throat> which uh, which I switched to after after stopping uh, using uh, uh, rock wool. What is that called now? Uh, grow rocks. Okay. And I, I think that company might be out of business now. Okay. Um, but what they did was they took uh, glass, uh, pulverized it into powder, added baking soda, and then baked it. Um, Does it look like little white kind of jagged? Yeah. Okay. It, it looks like it looks like large pumice. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it, work, it works well. Hydroton works well. Um, Growth it, Stones is like the brand I'm finding under now. I just want to make sure I have it. I'll add it to the show notes. Go ahead, please. Okay. And um, so I, I reuse those those uh, grow stones, and and uh, you know as we talked about with the roots, um, I've, I've got tons of roots in there. So so basically, I take these you know pots uh, full of roots and grow stones at the end of the season, and I, I put them in a, a old trash can, and um, I just let them sit there, and, and I let the, the worms go at the, the roots that are now dead, and, and they clean things up for me. Huh. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, th- this idea that it's sterile, I mean, you can make it sterile, I suppose, indoors. I'm sure that would be a struggle, that- by the way, too, I'm just saying. Like, it would actually Huge. be hard... Yeah, um, you know, it, it, and um, you know, I, I do for for my um, seed starting to, to keep keep things kind of sanitary in in, in that uh, area. I do use um, H two O two hydrogen peroxide. Peroxide, yep. The, the food grade stuff, right? Not 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 the stuff you buy at the uh, uh, drugstore. Um, and and that that keeps things clean. But boy, I, it, the expense of trying to do that. Full time uh, in in a you know operational grow system, forget it. It would just break you. So yeah, what I do, I do use plain old drugstore uh, peroxide, but I use like a fifty fifty mix with water, and then when uh, cycle's done, I dump it out, rinse it out, spray down the surface with that, let it sit for a couple minutes, rinse it out, just to take away any algae. Because I mean. Uh, peroxide just melts algae. As an aquarium enthusiast, I, I know it's just like it's like it's like Superman's kryptonite times ten. It just boom, it's dead. Uh, so I don't really use it in the solution at all, but I use it as a cleanup. The ebb and flow tray I mentioned when I was working on that yesterday, because it's exposed to the lights after a while, it starts to grow algae. So before I retooled everything, I yanked it out of the system, and that's another case for some. Uh, Tell you call those things unions. I need to put some union fittings in there, make my life easier. Um, but you know, I took it outside, I sprayed it down, sprayed it out, and kind of restarted it. But I don't even attempt that. And it at first, you know, I was I was a person to believe that, and it was one of those things. Well, everybody knows. Since everybody knows, it must be true, <laughs> right? But then I thought about it as an Aquarius, right? Like, yeah, the fish create bacteria and all, but. As a, a guy that does you know live plants and all, I can tell you that a lot of the fungal relationships that we deal with in soil exist in the bottom of my fish tank. Um, always have, always will. 
And if you create an, think about it this way: if you create an environment that's conducive to fungus and bacteria on planet Earth, fungus and bacteria rapidly will colonize it. And one solution to that has always been, well, put your own in. And there's a lot of hydroponics uh, product that does that now. But the, the the true solution to that has always been create the right environment, and the right ones will come. And Sometimes people say it's counterintuitive, but how do you think we make sauerkraut? Like you can, <laughs> you can seed sauerkraut with lactobacillus, but there's literally no need to. There's none at all. It just happens because lactobacillus exists, and when I create a salt brine that favors them over everything else, they take off. And in our hydro systems, when we build that well balanced system, you tend to more often than not end up with a, a, a good balance. And when I read the research on it, I was blown away because it's it's almost identical to a good soil system. Maybe not the best, right? Maybe not the Jeff Lawton chicken tractor on steroids maintained by 50 interns that pay to work every day. But a good quality organic garden, the, the, the bacterial and fungal profile, maybe not the exact same species, but are almost identical in ratio. And, and that was like, well, you know... At first, fascinating, and then kind of sit back and think about it, and well, well, duh, of course it is. <laughs> right, root, roots live in there. Like roots, of course. If roots live in a thing, then root back root uh, bacteria and fungi are going to go there too. Why wouldn't they? Exactly, exactly. And I, I do uh, sort of seed my system with that. Um, you know, I, I use uh, for another product. I, I use Great White, which is uh, you know. Uh, Mycorrhizal fungi and and some some beneficial bacteria. It's water soluble. So I, I toss that in there. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to happen anyway. But uh, I'd rather seed it with the stuff that uh, is uh, good for, good for the plants versus versus uh, rolling the dice on what shows up. So on the great white, I'm looking at a product with actually a great white shark on it and blue right. and about yep. twenty bucks, about thirty bucks for a four ounce. Thing of it right. is that probably it. All right, I'll make sure that yeah. goes in the show notes too. I just want to make sure if I put something in there that you mentioned that it's actually what you mentioned. You mentioned a little bit about an EC meter. I don't know if I bought some oddball EC meter or something like that, but when I look at the numbers that I'm supposed to get for EC and the numbers that I do get for EC, they are so divorced from each other. Uh, and any type of conversion that I've attempted to do has resulted in just me being miserable. So I just went to parts per million, you know, and using the Master Blend product as a reference point, um, you know, being somewhere between for vegetative growth, 500 and 600 parts per million relative to the water, which I use rainwater, so I'm starting at almost zero. And when I do the Master Blend in the recommended ratio, it's like because it's like it's the dump and stir with the three parts, I get right there. And I've been when I use the Texas tomato food, I just do the same thing. I look for parts per million. Is there an EC meter I should be using? You know, because these numbers are like 1.2, and I'm getting numbers that are like in the hundreds. That can't I, I can't make those two squares. So I really wanted to ask you about EC meters specifically, brand, and what the hell we're really looking for on a number because it seems like there's a lot of conversions. And maybe should I just shut up and not worry about it and stick to my PPM? <laughs> You're, you're probably fine, okay. um, but um, I, I, I can look up the EC meter that. Uh, hang on, it's right, it's right here. Um, it's made by Aqua Pro. 
Okay. A-Q-U-A-P-R-O, Water Tester, um, and it's um, by HM Digital. Okay. okay. I'm just making sure that that's... Uh, as long as I find it, I can add the links later. We don't have to have people waiting on me, but uh, HM Digital. It's, okay, I'm going to put, put that one in there. So now explain kind of what are you looking for because, like I said, I see like a reading like of like 1.2. And that's not anything close to what I'm getting. So, and if I was if I was off as I appear to be, everything would be burnt dead, and I'd probably die of chemical poisoning. Right? So something's amiss there. What? How do we use this thing as best you can explain audio? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and 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 be sure you get the EC meter, not the TDS meter. The total dissolved solids meter will give you a complete problem. number. <laughs> yeah. Um, So, uh, what, what the, the idea is you take the water as is, measure it, right? And, and I, we have pretty hard water out here. So, uh, water, water that I have in my, uh, storage tank, whole other story behind that, um, is, is a, between seven and eight hundred, uh, on the EC meter. Okay. And the, uh, the instructions for, uh, Texas tomato food, um, you know, they, they have a lower, lower uh, amount required for seeding or seedlings and then uh, you know they have their uh, recommended amount for flowering and, and growing things out um, and about 2200 is, is, is what that's um, so you know you need to add those two numbers together so I, I need to hit you know somewhere in the range of a 3000 on my EC meter in order to have you know the, the roughly 2000 uh, EC reading that, uh, that I'm supposed to be adding. Hope that makes sense. It does, but it doesn't because I don't think it says that. No, this, no this worries. Dri- um, this has been driving me nuts. So I'm sitting here right now. I am looking at a bottle of Texas tomato food. And uh-huh. here's what it says for hydroponics EC at 1.6 for seedlings, 2.2 for remainder of season. That's what I'm saying. And I'm getting numbers like you're talking about that are in the hundreds. So do I need to be running a conversion table or something? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. So, so when I, when I first started using this years ago, um, it was 1600 and 2200. <laughs> okay. Uh, on, on the label, I, I see, I see now it says 1.6. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's off, it's off by a thousand. So, um, Oh, that's that sixteen hundred micro siemens on on your meter. Um, okay, an EC meter should be reading micro siemens. Okay, so the the kind of lowercase scripted for micro and an F siemens. That's that's a measure of activity of the fluid. Okay, yeah. So move the decimal three places in that one point six when you're reading a package. That's worth the cost of tuning in, folks. I'll tell you that right there. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna play with my little meter that I didn't like in relation to that now, and, and see where I should be. Though I think I'm way lower than that, I guess. Then, uh, of course, that is using the Master Blend product, which might have a total different way that it works out. It might, yeah. I'd have to look that up. Um, you know, you'd have to see what the Micro Siemens reading uh, recommendation is. Yeah, I got to is. take a different reading because I've been doing parts per million, but I've been, like I said, I've been running. Whatever I do, I end up with the parts per million around 550 average, sometimes a little higher, on my vegetative growth stuff. I haven't done any fruiting 
uh, grow out yet. So I, I haven't needed to go higher than that. Why use more than you need? Um, but it would it'll be interesting now, man. Thank you for that because that that I was so frustrated with. I just gave up. Um, <laughs> what do you do for? Um, uh, Sorry, what do you do for pH? Do you use a pH meter, or do you use just test strips, or do you not worry about it, or what? I, I do use a pH meter. So um, let's see, which one is this? I'll just have you. Te- I'll just have you text me the links to to both your EC and your pH meter after the episode. Okay. Yeah. So I, I use pH meter, and um, I, I do use uh, you know inorganic. Uh, uh, pH down uh, fluid that that I get at the hydroponics store. One, one of the benefits of California and hydroponics is uh, there are <laughs> massive warehouse stores where I can go and and get some of this stuff. Like uh, you know, I, I can buy the thirty five percent hydrogen peroxide food grade by the gallon. I, I wonder um, why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh. um, and and. Uh, uh, oddly enough, I, I can't I can't find Texas tomato food. <laughs> oh, okay. I still have to ship that from Texas. Um, but yeah, I you know, all the supplies are are readily available around here. Yeah, I talked to the the tomato guy, Texas tomato food guy, about doing a discount, and he seemed agreeable to it. But I think in the end, he hates money. I just <laughs> he's like well, you've seen his website. You yeah. know, it's it's tough to uh, buy a mixed case from him because. Uh, you know, you get a discount for buying four gallons at a time. Yeah. Um, but the, his his uh, shopping cart is terrible. Um, when, once you get the order confirmation, you have to email him and say, "This is this is the mix I want. I want you know two Texas tomato food. I want one yeah. uh, apples and oranges, and I want one veg. You know, it's yeah. like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it works. I mean, that's that's the thing. And I would I would say if you want convenience. And something that maybe works a little bit better, go with the Texas tomato food product. Uh, if you want cheap and shelf-stable for infinite period of time, Master Blend is great for that. I mean, um, a 25-pound kit of Master Blend will run my vertical farm nonstop for three years. That's that's pretty insane when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that is. That, is. that also uh, says stop crying about fertilizer. I mean... That, that's an amount of fertilizer that would, you know, fertilize what? 50 square feet of lawn? Maybe? Something exactly. like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah what, do you do po- what do you do post-harvest to get ready for the next season? Uh, so so with, with, the, um, with the tomatoes, uh, like I said, I, I use that uh, grow, grow stone stuff and uh, just kind of throw it in a, uh, a couple of uh, big trash cans. Uh, let the worms have at the roots. Um, I'll, I'll keep it moist and uh, just kind of out of the way, uh, out of sight uh, for the wife. <laughs> and and then at the uh, beginning of the year, I'll I'll um, flood that. Uh, I'll I will throw hydrogen peroxide on, on top of it. Uh, it floats up whatever roots are left. Skim that off the top and and get started again. As far as the uh, the um, Earth boxes. Um, about every other year, I'll, I'll completely dump those out, um, and and they they have a mix of uh, smaller versions of that of that growstone stuff along as a replacement for perlite, and um, 
and uh, what do you call it? Uh, not cocoa core. I'm I'm using um, peat moss. Okay. I got got a good deal on closeout peat moss at uh, Home Depot uh, a couple years ago. So you're using peat moss as a grow medium. In in the in the earth boxes. Okay. Um, I, okay. You know, they're, they're more they're more like a wicking bed. So you're um, you're basically doing a form of hydroponics in those now. Is that what you're doing? Where you're, you're using a nutrient solution in inner grow media. Uh, for for those, I, I actually use again uh, the urban farms stuff. Uh, okay. they, they do sell a, a dry, uh, uh, supposedly organic um, fertilizer. Not not terribly different from from uh, was that uh, the the bold stuff that you say, Doctor Earth Gold. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Uh, I buy that uh, you know, uh, four or six at a time, whatever the, the price break is, and it comes out to be a little bit less and works quite well. So I use that in in the earth boxes uh, and and around uh, what what I do have, what little I do have planted in ground. Okay. Um, what are you going to do now? Are you got anything new coming? You're working on now. Um, mostly, um, you know, again, because you're a jerk, I, I, uh, so, so I, a problem we have here is it, it gets hot, right? And, um, uh, greens bolt pretty darn fast. Um, uh, and, and after I've seen what you've done with, with your, your setup there, I'm, I'm going to now outfit, uh, my little greenhouse with a deeper, deeper tray, circulating pump. And uh, I'm going to grow out greens in in that thing. Okay. Um, and, and and just just to you know, you might get a laugh out of you know again your scale versus mine. My um, uh, irrigation tubing <laughs> uh, has has been uh, quarter inch either either the silicone air tubing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in aquariums. That works. Um, it works, uh, or or vinyl tubing of the same size. I mean, you know, and, and you know, went out to your workshop, and you've got uh, by by comparison just gigantic irrigation systems. So, yeah, my my scale is completely different. <laughs> uh, not really on that 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 like the greenhouse size and all. I mean, it's just different. Uh, oh, that, that that that's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, so my my earth boxes you know, for, from the. Yeah, again, because I travel so much, uh, Earth, um, Earthbox does sell an automatic watering system for those. Yeah. So I switched that a long time ago. And, okay. Uh, so you have basically I, I, like a a reserve tank of fluid, and it just keeps filling the bottom of the Earth boxes. Y- yeah. So um, you, you know how you have your ice maker in your uh, outdoor kitchen? Yep. Um, I, I I have one too, and and I, I put a. Um, uh, re- reverse osmosis filter in the front of that thing. Okay. Because <clears throat> I like real clear ice for, for my scotch and whiskey. Okay. Um, and, and initially the effluent water, right? That our ROs, you know, not the most efficient. It, it, it discharges what five or so gallons per of, of effluent water per gallon of filtered water. And that, and that was just running out to the street okay. and growing algae. Okay. So, um, I, I, I bought a, uh, a 300 gallon water tank stuck that behind the, the fireplace outside and painted it to kind of match things. So HOA hell wouldn't, wouldn't come wouldn't down on me. Bitch about it. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so all the effluent water and the melt water from, from the ice maker goes into that tank. And, uh, I got, I have a RV, uh, pump on that. 
out, outdoor RV pump or outdoor. It, it is outdoors. It's an RV pump. Um, and, and that provides all the water for all our gardening and sometimes overflows and we need to use it to wash cars. That's awesome. That's, that's great. It's a simple like recapturing of a resource. We do something similar on the side of our house with a hundred gallon wheelie garbage can, uh, catching the drip runoff of the, uh, the air conditioner. And, oh, there you go. and we just took a bulkhead and smacked it in the bottom of it, put it up on some cinder blocks so it had some elevation, set it under the weep hole, and I cut a hole in the lid with a, uh, not a skill saw, a jigsaw, and epoxied a piece of, uh, like, uh, sc- uh, window screen over the hole. So it's not a mm-hmm. mosquito infested thing. And in the summer, when you need it most, it produces almost a full garbage can of water a week. And we just have one of those cheap, kinky, you know, spring hoses that are useless for anything but something like this attached to the hose bib on the bulkhead. So we just drag that hose, you know, to the little island thing my wife has all her bird garden in and just open it up and drain it in there once a week. And it stays all year long, beautifully green, no work. And I think people should, like, realize, like, there's so much opportunity to recapture and reuse. And the smaller the property, kind of the more important that becomes. I'm sure, you know, you, you could agree with that. Because the small property, the recapture might do everything you need. It sounds like for you it does. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, it, it, like I said, it overflows. So. Yeah. But it, it's the biggest tank I can fit back there. And, um, yeah, I've, I've got limitations on on that tank size. Um, um, but, yeah, it, it, it's plumbed to my 55-gallon uh, tank for the for the main hydro. That, that has a little float valve in it that refills and keeps it topped up. And then those uh, automatic watering systems—they're—they're they're a neat little thing. Um, it, it's just—you uh, you know how um, those self-watering containers have a tube that, that goes down, and, and that—that's what you're supposed to fill through. It's just a, a tube and a little head head on it that goes down in there and, and uh, keeps the water at the proper level. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna look up the grow box automatic water thingy too, and make sure. That that's I'm not finding it, but I will. I'm gonna try to put all this stuff in the show notes. Anything that you have that um, like this, if you have a link for it, if you can send it to me when we wrap up, I'll try to get that in the show notes for people because I found you to be an incredible resource for things like this and like the grow box auto water thing. Like I didn't even know that was a thing, so that means if you already have those, you can add that and your life would be better because then they are self watering. Because like you said, otherwise they're not. Exactly. They're just not. So one of the things that's made me really happy about doing this, uh, like an upside to a downside, is is the fact that we are dealing with this COVID pandemic right now. And, you know, strips of the grocery store are a little bit more of an ordeal. Uh, we're preppers, so we're prepared anyway. But, like, one of the things you can't store in abundance is leafy greens. And... The fact that I can take, I can go from seed to food in 20 to 25 days is really mm-hmm. comforting right now. I mean, you talk about traveling a lot. I guess you're away and back. I don't know if maybe you're stuck home now or, or what, but don't you kind of feel the same way? Like having all this production capacity, you know, it's not going to be the calories that you need, but it is a lot of the nutrition you need, and it makes life a hell of a lot better than living on freaking beans and rice. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Um, you know, I, I mean, 
I, I, I'm a fan of the show. I, I, I was sort of a prepper before I came to you. That's, that's, that's part of what, it, what attracted, uh, you know, me to your, your show. Um, you know, li- living in, uh, uh, on a little island in, in Typhoon Alley, as we did, we, we were always prepped, right? Sure. So, uh, I, I kind of carried that forward. And, uh, yeah, be- between my, my regular preps and having the ability to grow food, um, yeah, it's it's very comforting. We, we haven't gone to Costco <laughs> during this nightmare scenario. Um, you know, my wife did get on board. I thought it was funny. You said Dorothy, um, you know, has more toilet paper than than uh, she does. What you guys know what to do with? Yeah, we're in. This, I'm in the boat. My wife got on board with that. So, um, yeah, we, we have plenty of paper products. It's kind of obscene sometimes, but um, between that. Food, some food storage. I, I got a decent uh, couple of freezers, you know, full, full of food. Yeah, um, we're fine. We're totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with your lot, you don't have birds or anything. But you, like, we just today decided, like, we have food reserved for the birds, but you know, it's easy to get deliveries and all still right now. So we just ordered like two months more worth of bird food for the the ducks, and so then there's an unlimited supply of eggs, basically more than we could ever use. And I, I, I really think people should, you know. It, it's hard to talk about this now because I don't want it to be like a, you know, I told you so type moment at all. Um, and right. it's not the easiest thing to do for some people right now to get started in this. And it's not a, it's not a short term solution. The whole homesteading concept's not a whole, a whole, a, a, a short term solution. Like the real problem I expect to be winding down before you start to bear the fruit of this. But I would say a couple things about that. One, it's, there might be some tough times for people, you know, coming out of this with the restart of the economy. So if you are stuck home or whatever right now, it might be a good time to get on this stuff, not so much so you can feed yourself during it, but so that you have it when it's over. And everybody I hear from always tells me about time. But the other side of it is with hydro, and that's why it was just fortuitous that because you applied to be on the show like a month and a half ago, that like right in the middle of us was talking about hydro. If you get the stuff that you need to do this and you start doing it, you can be eating in two to three weeks. And I don't know anything else that does that. I mean, do you? I mean, microgreens a little faster, but the bang for the buck on seed ROI is not there with microgreens, you know? I Yeah, I com- completely agree. And, and, you know, regular greens do, they just grow so fast. Um, you just need to give them a little, little love and care and, uh, they'll surprise you. I mean, I'm running on one of my systems. I'm running 18.6 on the lights right now. So it's, it's kind of crazy too. So like, like I said, you go up and like, you forget what the last batch did. So you go look at it on day 12 and you're like, eh, I don't know if it's doing as good as it did last time. And it's somewhere around like day 15 or something. It's like, you know, Popeye ate his spinach when we were kids. We used to watch the cartoon and da 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 And it like, it just, it just explodes. And by like day, if you let it go like to, in my little system, if you let it go like day 28 or whatever, I'm down on the ground prying roots out and plants are up through the lights and, you know, freaking breathing hard, dragging stuff out of the back. And it's just this little box. And again, for people that want fast production, You know, and like, let's say you were doing this when this crap hit 
but you weren't doing a lot. Like once you have it set up, you can ramp up so fast to to doing more. And I'll tell you what the funny thing is, James. The biggest biggest complaint I've got since I started talking about this is, what the hell do I do with all these greens now? <laughs> and my answer to that is multifaceted, depending on when and where you have the problem. Right now. Give them to your neighbors who don't have as much food as you do because they're going to go bad. You know, because I'm learning myself, I like have to start thinking more about, well, how much do I need to start this week? Because in three weeks or four weeks, it's all going to be done. And what am I going to do with it? But right now, it would seem like this is an easy thing to help your neighbors with if you already have a system set up. I completely agree. And, and I, I do that. So for example, you know, with, with the tomato seeds that I start, um, I, I always grow, uh, or start two or three for every one that, that, uh, every, every one pot that I have. Um, so the, the excess goes to the neighbors and, um, you know, they're, they're growing in, in their, their yards as well. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I've got a pretty decent neighborhood for, for being in, for in California. Well, yeah. giving people free food usually shuts them up too. I mean, because they're busy sticking it in their mouth instead of whining about something. So that's that's a good way to manage your HOA. The other thing I'd say is I saw a post on the TSP uh, Facebook forum recently that I thought was interesting. Um, somebody said the produce section at my store is not empty. Maybe I'm confused. And what they had a picture of it was like a Walmart or something. And it, you know, this time of year, all the plants from like Bonnie's and all are sitting outside. Tomatoes, peppers, whatever. If you got on this late and you want to grow some fruiting stuff, you can go take a pepper or a tomato that's already nicely started, you know, give it a good rinse off uh, the roots and drop it in a hydro system. And guess what, man? It'll take off. I've even seen uh, some people use the cup that the Bonnie stuff comes in as a grow cup. I don't necessarily recommend that, but I've seen it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've, I've done that in the past. Uh, Yeah, you know, if, if I have a plant die, you know, because of the heat and humidity, sometimes um, I, I'll I'll go pick up a plant and throw it throw it in there. Um, I don't even bother clean up. <laughs> you know, no, I, it, 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 it it doesn't have to be sterile, right? It no. doesn't have to be super clean. No, I I, w I was going to say that, but the other side of it is depending on I don't know how anybody's systems set up, so you could clog a line or a pump or something if you're not careful, you but yeah. I have right. taken, especially with Kratky, and just take it, shove it in, and stick it in. I mean, that's it's it just it just works. I mean, it's not going to not grow in the soil that it was already growing in because you went hydro with it. So uh, I agree. I I cheat that way a lot with my aquaponic systems too. I'll take a started plant with dirt and just pull back the ebb and flow bed, shove it in, and cover it up, and it grows just fine. Um, I'm not going to say it maybe hasn't led to more rapid um, clogging of ebb flow beds, but, you know, if you have enough worms in there, they do a lot of uh, cleaning that up for you. Anyway, you see where I usually ask people if they have a website to check out. I don't think you do. I think you just came on as a community member to help other people. So uh, I appreciate yeah. that, and, and I appreciate taking time out of your day-to-day. -day. Uh, just real quick, you mentioned you travel a lot. Uh, do they have you mm -hmm. still traveling during this time, or are you – stuck at home now telecommuting or, or what's going on with that? Well, so I, I'm in, I'm in field sales on the engineering side. So okay. I actually work out of a home office all the time anyway. Gotcha. Um, we're headquartered. I work for a tech company. They're headquartered up in the Bay area. Um, but yeah, as far as, uh, 
airline travel, yeah, we're shut down on that. Uh, face meetings, we're supposed to limit to things that are, you know, quote unquote, Critical. business necessary. Yeah. Which, you know, when, uh, when a good part of your comp is on commission, everything's <laughs> essential. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still drive around a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, what, three and four weeks ago, I was, I was out, um, at trade shows mm. two weeks back to back and, um, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, anyway, James, I do appreciate you being with us today and uh, talking about, like I said, again, the, uh, the, the key word today for today's episode is solutions. And I see hydro as a solution for a lot of people. And unlike a lot of things that are in short supply right now, you can still get all this stuff. I checked today. It's all available. It might be a little delayed in shipping, but uh, Amazon's got delays on shipping on third-party vendors using FBA. But if it's a regular Amazon product, it's shipping as fast as Amazon shipping anything right now. So you can still get stuff. Anyway, if you could, if you could shoot me a, an email while I'm getting the show put together for today and uh, any of the stuff we talked about you can think of, uh, throw me a link and uh, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Will do. Thanks again, man. Thank you. All right, that's a great interview. It's one of my favorite kinds of interviews when someone who doesn't have a website or anything like that comes on just to uh, just to help out the community. Uh, and and again, um, nothing I said to James was like blowing smoke up his butt or nothing like that. His assistance while I was putting together the hydroponic systems uh, was invaluable, and it made me able to go down to Mother Earth News Fair, which is not a small affair, and present on that subject authoritatively, accurately, in a way that was compelling and got people excited uh, with about 40 days of experience. I don't think I've ever done a public presentation of that size with anything that I didn't have my hands into for at least a year. Um, it was his help that made me confident enough to do that So and, and getting the practical hands-on along with it. So I really... You know, this is one maybe listen to again. We do seem to have a lot of time on our hands. Uh, remember, if you want to help this show, one of the ways you can do that, you do your online shopping at tspaz.com. I talked about uh, the multivitamin and Q-Certain. It's in today's write-up. Uh, all the resources on Q-Certain are in today's write-up that I have so far. I really recommend you look into it. But remember, you can always help us whenever you do your online shopping at tspaz. And that's all I'll say wrapping up today since we talked about so much in the beginning. Remember, the, the, the concept this week are things that you can do. The concept going forward through this is solutions, things that you can do in your life. We can sit around and say, well, this is what government should do. And that's an interesting conversation, but generally government doesn't do what we say it should do. And we can think it's a good idea that government is about to hand out $1,000 checks or not, but it doesn't matter. I promise you right now that no matter what you think, the government's going to do what the government's going to do and, and that type of a financial bailout at whatever what we're going to do is we're going to watch what they do, and if that happens, I'm going to say this is what I would do with that money, depending on what point in your life you're in with this. That'll be a resource. That'll be a resource. We need to think about it. We need to think about some things, too. Here's one of them, just to give you an idea where we're going in the future. Let's say the government does send out $1,000 checks. Guess what you should do? You should do your resupply run a few days before those checks go out, because have you ever been to a grocery store in a normal time on the 1st and 15th? I'm just saying. One of the problems with the doling out of dollars is it will increase hoarding, at least when that money first hits the ground. 
So that's a thing to think about. We're going to be talking about solutions. Today's song is really not about solutions directly uh, for our song of the day, but it is about making a difference. It's by the Highwaymen. And the Highwaymen is, you know, they say it's a country music supergroup. Uh, no, it's not a country music supergroup. It is the country music supergroup. I don't know that there is another one that I would put in the same uh, level as this. It was Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christofferson. And and this song brings in a lot of their music and a lot of other people's music. It's a song that references other songs. But the concept is, number one, that making music was everything to these guys. But while they talk about there's other ways they could have made a living, what they're really saying is, no, there isn't. Like, this is this is it for me. Everything I'm about is making music. And that's following your dreams, no matter what they are. It could be something totally different for you. But the songs that these, these guys sang did make a difference. They, they changed country music. They made it more than it was. And they mattered to people. And I think we overlook sometimes the contributions that artists of various different kinds, uh, entertainers even, make to our lives. I, you know, there's a lot of people in Hollywood that I I don't know that I'd care if they, they, they fell into the face of the sun, but in the end, there are people that, you know, their work has influenced my life, has been there for me when I was down. The, so when it comes to musicians, there's songs that can take me back almost like a time machine to a point in my life. And the lesson is that is we all have things we can do that make a difference for ourselves and our families. And right now is a good time to stay in touch with that. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. We took turns with the guitar in the front and center seat. Shell and Chris and Dylan and a couple off the street. Joni Mitchell cried on both sides now. We sang songs that made a difference and we can again somehow. Everybody knew that this was quite a special night. Graham Nash was nervous in the hot seat in the light. Joe South was total magic, and we all walked in his shoes. Orbison and Rabbit tried and rocked the country blues. Newberry, San Francisco, Mabel Joy. We sang songs that made a difference. June was pregnant with my boy. I could make a living driving names to driving trucks. Sleep beneath the bridge or in the streets down on my luck. I'd stand cold and hunger if they'd let me hear the songs. Everybody ride one 